Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today I want to talk about something that a lot of the financial media outlets are talking about. About two weeks back, ProPublica published an article called Lord of the Roths, How Tech Mogul Peter Thiel Turned a Retirement Account for the Middle Class into a $5 billion tax-free piggy bank. Now, that title is a heck of a mouthful, but the short version of the article is that ProPublica, quote, obtained a trove of IRS tax return data on thousands of the country's wealthiest people covering more than 15 years, end quote. Now, they received this information as part of a major leak from inside the IRS, which gave out this information to a bunch of the media outlets. While going through this data, it was discovered that one man grew a Roth IRA account, which has a $6,000 per year contribution limit to $5 billion in 22 years. Today, we are going to discuss how he did it and if there was foul play involved. So stick around. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... All right, so first let's cover what a Roth IRA is. Now, I imagine that some of my international listeners may be curious as to how you turn $1,700 into $5 billion in about 20 years, so I'm going to cover the basics here. An IRA is an individual retirement account. Essentially, this is a brokerage account that has several restrictions placed on it in exchange for some tax advantages. These restrictions are on how much money you can put into the account and on when you can pull the money out. The thought process from the American government is that if we as the government can incentivize or encourage people to save for their own retirement, then we won't have to worry about taking care of a huge broke generation of elder Americans in the future. Plus, those individuals will be less reliant on government assistance programs, so in the end, hopefully everybody wins. That is why we have IRAs. Now, let's cover the advantages. IRAs have two types of tax advantages, which are distinguished by whether the account is a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. In a traditional IRA, you will not pay any income taxes on the money you put into the account. Instead, you will pay the taxes when you pull the money out while you're in retirement. With a traditional retirement account, you get the tax savings now, but you're eventually going to pay those taxes later. With a Roth retirement account, it's the opposite. You are going to pay all of the taxes right now, and then you never have to pay taxes on that money ever again. The key difference here is whether or not you're going to pay taxes on the growth of your money. Let's do a quick example. Let's say there's a flat 10% income tax. With a traditional retirement account, you can put in $1,000 today, say that money grows to $10,000 by the time you retire, and then once you pull out that $10,000, Now it's time to pay that 10% tax, or $1,000. With a Roth retirement account, you are going to pay the 10% tax on your money before you make the contribution. So on your $1,000 investment, you would have already paid $100 in taxes. So same scenario, by the time you retire, your original $1,000 has grown to $10,000, but now because you paid that taxes on the front end, you don't need to pay taxes on your $10,000. In general, I recommend Roth accounts over traditional because you will never pay taxes on the growth. 
Keep that in mind because that is the most important mechanism here. To keep the Roth accounts from being taken advantage of, there are two major rules that were put in place by the government. First, there are limits on how much money you can make and still make deposits into the account. This is to prevent the rich from taking advantage. And if you are able to put money into the account because you fall under those income limits, there is a strict amount of how much money you can even put into the account. For 2021, that annual contribution limit is $6,000. If you are unmarried, you have to make less than $125,000 per year in order to even contribute to a Roth IRA. Even if you are eligible to make contributions, you are still limited to that $6,000 in annual contributions. Here is how the account is supposed to work. Say you take a 25-year-old today who wants to max out their IRA every year until they retire at age 65. Assuming a 7% return and a flat $6,000 contribution every year, that 25-year-old should retire with approximately $1.2 million. Now, you gotta remember two things here. The first is that the IRS is able to adjust the contribution limit up every year in order to keep up with inflation, you know, if they need to, and that our Lord of the Roths was able to grow his account from zero to $5 billion in 22 years, when in our example, our 25-year-old, who was maxing out the account, would only end up with $1.2 million after 40 years. So something weird had to happen here. Now that we have that knowledge in mind, let's talk about the man of the hour. Peter Thiel is one of the founders of PayPal. Now, I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain what this company is and what they do, but let's leave it as they process online payments. Once upon a time in 1999, a handful of individuals decided to start a company. An employee at this small and unknown company called PayPal told Peter and some of the other owners about this new tax advantage called Roth retirement accounts. Now, traditional IRAs had been around since 1974. However, it wasn't until 1997 that the Roth version was signed into law. As part of the 1997 update was the ability to put just about any investment in your IRA, as long as your broker allowed it and managed it. Part of this just about any investment includes private company stock. In 1999, the annual contribution limit for an IRA was $2,000. So in 1999, Peter Thiel put $1,700 into his brand new Roth IRA and used all of it to purchase shares in his own business. Now, I want to pause for a minute in the story. At this point, nothing I have said is illegal or unfair. If you, my dear listener, went out and started a business next week, you could buy shares in your business and hold the ownership of your business in your Roth IRA. Now, you're definitely going to want to consult an accountant to make sure it was done right, but every American has the ability to do this. Well, let's say you're doing really well in your business and a large competitor comes to you and says that they want to buy you out. You agree to sell your business for, let's say, a million dollars, and now, bam, your Roth IRA now has a million dollars in it. With this scenario, you did not exceed the contribution limit because you didn't contribute a million dollars. Your account grew to a million dollars. And as usual with IRAs, if you touch the money before age 65, you are going to pay a huge fine to the IRS. But if you wait until age 65 and you had a Roth IRA, then all of that money is tax-free because you already paid the taxes on the money you initially put in the IRA. Remember, with a Roth IRA, you do not pay taxes on the growth, no matter how crazy that growth may be. Let's get back to the article for a moment. This is a very beefy article from ProPublica. Quite a bit of the article is explaining what Roth IRAs are, the creation of PayPal, how these tax advantages work, and a whole bunch of other side information. 
But of course, this wouldn't be a news story unless there was some controversy involved. Here is where Mr. Thiel's story starts to get questionable. I already told you that in 1999, Peter contributed $1,700 into his Roth IRA, which he then used to purchase shares in his new company, PayPal. Well, with that $1,700, he was able to purchase 1.7 million shares in the company. Now, for those of you who can't do math that quick, which I know I can't, that means he bought those shares for a tenth of a penny per share. Another way to put it is that $1 bought him 1,000 shares. The big problem that ProPublica has with this transaction is the price at which the shares were purchased. Now, me trying to play devil's advocate would ask the question, well, how much of the company did Mr. Thiel purchase? A share price of one-tenth of a penny per share sounds absurd, but say you have a company worth $100,000, but there are 100 million shares of that company. Then it would make sense for the cost of the share to be that cheap. Something that this article never mentions is how many total shares were outstanding at the time Mr. Thiel made this purchase, and what the total value of the company was. I would argue that without those numbers, it is very difficult to say whether or not Mr. Thiel got a huge discount on the stock price, just so he could, say, allegedly put more shares into his Roth IRA than he was supposed to. So potentially, he was buying the shares at a more reasonable price than you'd think. The natural inclination of that argument would be to say, come on, Alex, this is PayPal we're talking about. Of course he falsified the value of his shares so that he could cheat on the taxes. To me, that argument is a hindsight is 2020 kind of argument. For all they knew, no one was going to use their technology, no one was going to pay their business, no one was going to buy their business, and the whole thing was just going to flop. They may have dreamed about how big they'd eventually become, but there's no way they could have known. Of course, all of that is me playing devil's advocate. Personally, I think that a tenth of a penny per share is scandalous and that the IRS needs to investigate. Because of the reasons I mentioned before, there's going to be a lot of data that is going to be needed in order to convict Mr. Thiel on anything. And since the paper trail is 22 years old, I really doubt there's going to be anything conclusive. In my opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, I don't think that the IRS is going to be able to bring a case against Mr. Thiel due to this lack of documentation. Because who is going to have these records after 22 years? Just to be clear, the only thing potentially illegal or against the rules here is the allegation made by ProPublica that Mr. Thiel intentionally lowered the value of his shares to lower than they were worth, so that he was able to put more shares into his IRA than he would have otherwise been allowed to. Well, let's see what happens next in the story. We fast forward a few years, Peter Thiel created his Roth IRA with $1,700 and got 1.7 million PayPal shares in 1999. Well, in 2002, a mere three years later, eBay bought out PayPal for $19 per share. Now remember, Peter's shares were valued at 1,000 shares per dollar just three years earlier, and now he's selling them for $19 per share. That means that the original $1,700 turned into $32.3 million. Not a bad gain. Want to know what Peter did with his newly created $32 million? Well, at this point in the story, it's 2004, and he's a Silicon Valley success story. He ends up meeting a guy named Mark Zuckerberg and decides to invest $500,000 in his social media company called Facebook. Using his half million dollars, he bought a ton of shares using his PayPal gains, which was all still inside his Roth IRA. And you can imagine what happened with that investment. Well, then he turned around and did something similar with Uber and several other Silicon Valley startups. After 22 years, that original $1,700 has grown to over $5 billion, and none of that $5 billion in gains is taxable because it's in a Roth IRA. When Mr. Thiel turns 65 sometime in the next decade, he's going to be able to access 
all of that money and never pay taxes on it. This is why I love Roth retirement accounts. Pay the taxes now on what you contribute and never pay taxes on those gains. My biggest problem with this article is that there are several times that it is insinuated that the average investor is unable to do the same thing that Peter Thiel did, that what he did was unfair and 99% of Americans could never do it, could never dream of doing it. I think that's crap. Anyone can go out, start a business, put ownership in said business into their IRA, and use that method to shield themselves from paying taxes on those gains. Now, it is true that not everyone's company can get bought out by a Fortune 500 company, but everyone has the ability to start and grow their business to get to that point. The question here isn't whether or not you can do this. The question is whether or not you will. Most Americans won't go and start their own business and grow it into a multi-million dollar enterprise. However, this doesn't mean that they can't or that it's impossible. My point in making this episode was to inform you about this story and to let you know a few things. It is not a crime for you to put a portion of your business into an IRA. For those of you that want to start a business, it may be something to explore to maybe put some of your ownership into a retirement account in order to save you on some of your taxes. If you're going to go that route, I definitely recommend that you're going to want to consult a CPA and probably a tax attorney to get it done properly. And with that, that is all I have for you this week. Be sure to tune in next time where I have Chairman and CEO Kyle Floyd join me to talk about earning royalty income from precious minerals. I have been Alex, and I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.